Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Um, this morning, uh, around, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so, 8.30, um, Pam Sanders, uh, many of you know that she lost her husband. We lost one of our elders uh, this past week, um, Jimmy, went home to be with the Lord, and uh, Pam has asked me to say to you guys, thank you and God bless you for the touches, the love, the outpouring, the way that you have blessed her, the praying that you have done. She has been sustained and strengthened, and she just uh, wanted me to tell you thank you. Um, So from Pam Sanders, she just wants you to know she loves you and she thanks God, God for you. You have covered her well. Now, this morning, what I want to do to get us started is this. I want to I do, um, I want to give you a quick start guide. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it for, for praying today. Um, this is the owner's manual for our washing machine. I've never read it. I've got it. Case I need it, but I've never read it. When our washing machine went out and we purchased this this washer, we needed it. And so I went to this and I read this my very colorful quick start guide. And really, this is the only column in English, so that's all I really had to know. And maybe a little bit on the back, and and it had drawings, which was kudos, babe. and I really wasn't used to YouTube channel yet um, to, to know that I probably could have gone there, and I do that a lot. But m- most manufacturers now, you know, print a quick start guide. And most of us, when we open our, our new toy or whatever, we take this and we stick it in the file somewhere in case we need it. And we go to the quick start guide because we want to get going. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to help you get going. Now, I want to say this. This is the manual for prayer. And we're gonna cover a bunch of it over the next 40 days. But today, quick, quick start guy, okay? And so what, what I wanna talk to you about this morning is if you miss this part of it, it's not gonna run. Your prayer life is, is, if you don't get this built into your prayer life really early in, the, the, everything else that you try to do will actually make you wearisome. It'll, it'll clog up your prayer life. So I, I just want us to, to start this way today. And I, I want to sh- start by giving you some observations that I've made, even about my own life and other people. I've, I've been trying to seek the Lord in prayer for over 40 years. I've been trying to help others do that for about 38 when I realized I was, uh, needed to be involved in helping disciple others. And so just some quick observations I've made from my own journey and, and from trying to walk with others. First is this. We are all wired, all human beings are wired to pray. All of us are just wired this way. You've been designed by your creator. Prayer is something that you want to do. It's kind of like eating. You're just designed that way. Everybody in the world prays. You know, every religion, Buddhists, you know, Muslims, everybody prays. Not all to the same God. Some people not always to a God. 
Even atheists prayer pray. We've had testimonies and read testimonies of atheists when they end up in a foxhole in war. Man, they start praying. They start calling on, on, on God that they don't know. Um, and, and so we all are, are just wired to this. The Bible bears witness to why. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, God's word tells us that God has implanted, he has put, he has placed eternity in your heart. There is something that your heart longs for that is outside this earthly experience. And we express that knowledge through prayer. Now, part of what that means is you're, you're created for eternity. And so you need to have the language of eternity, and that's communion with God. So you kind of have this natural drive. The second observation that I've made is this. We're not really good at prayer, and we know it. Most all of us, you know, if we were just kind of held down, we, we would say, there are just days I feel inadequate in my prayer life. There, there are days I don't really feel like I know how to pray or, or what to pray, especially in public. Oh, my gosh. You know, if I were to call, just call you out and say, hey, come up here and lead us in prayer, some of you would just fall out um, because the idea of praying in public just kind of freaks you out. Because you're not confident, you know, in prayer. And the truth is that everybody, no matter how long they've known the Lord, all of us could grow in our prayer life. One of the greatest Christians, Christ's followers, was this guy by the name of St. Paul. Guy wrote over half of the, the New Testament. And when he was writing to the church at Rome, one of the things he says about, about prayer is, for we do not know what we ought to pray. We just we don't even know what we ought to pray for. That's in the Bible. This is Paul saying that's the truth of, about us. We don't, we don't know what to pray or, or even how to pray. And so all of us really are in the school of prayer. All of us could learn to grow and, and blossom in prayer. And, and if Paul said it was true, it's okay for you and I to admit it. I mean, think about even Jesus' disciples. That was the thing that they went to in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. They had been watching Jesus praying, and one of them went and said, Jesus, please teach us to do that. Now, what's so amazing to me about that is they watched Jesus heal lepers and the blind and raise the dead. They, they heard Jesus preach the most compelling sermons and the greatest messages ever spoken. They, they were there for that. And never once is it recorded that they asked him, Jesus, teach us to heal. Or Jesus, teach us to teach or preach. They asked Jesus, teach us to pray because they had observed his life of prayer and realized that out of that prayer life, his whole life flowed. His ministry flowed, his healing flowed, his teaching flowed. And so Jesus is our model and our pattern for connecting with God through prayer. And we're going to spend a lot of time over the next 40 days really digging into that so that we could say like the disciples, Jesus, and I'm, I hope you start praying this, Jesus, teach me to pray. Jesus, you, Jesus, teach me to pray. So if Paul says, we don't even know what we ought to ask for or how to ask, and the disciples say, teach us to pray, then I think it's a really, really good thing for us over the next 40 days to just say together, Lord, teach us to pray. Third thing 
that I have observed uh, about prayer is this, is that there are a lot of misinformation and misconception about prayer. Myths, if you would. And so we're going we're gonna to spend some time kind of exploding those myths over the next 40 days because God wants you empowered with the truth of why he gave us this capacity to pray. So we're going we're gonna to just mess with these misconceptions. And I want to give you just a couple of them, and, and we're not going to unpack them fully. We'll do that over the course of 40 days. But I just want to give you what I think of as three of the biggest ones so you can start thinking about them and maybe how they manifest in your own life. The first misconception, I think, is this, is you and I don't need to think of prayer as like a magic wand or magic words. You know, there, there's, there's nothing, prayer has nothing in common with Harry Potter, Potter's wand, you know, nothing. Pospectro, Patronus, or whatever words the guy said, I have no idea what a dude said. Um, but the, our, it, prayer has nothing to do with this. Some people think if they can just dial in the right words, that somehow God has to. Y'all are having a lot of fun telling me just how Pastor Joe is not a Potter guy. You're right. I, I'm, I'm not. They, they were enjoying. Anyway. Um, but some people try to think if I have the magic words, I can unlock. You know, I can unlock prayer. Like, you know, my wife would love to be able to find the magic words of praying, saying, you know, like, hocus pocus. Joe, you're the perfect husband. Um, I don't, I've never heard her pray that. There are probably times she's thought, you know, but you're not going to find these words that, that, just, that just do that. By the way, just FYI, just so you know something new, maybe. Do you know where hocus pocus comes from, that statement? It's a perversion of Catholic mass where the priest will hold up the bread and he says this, hoc es corpus meum. And what that basically means is, this is his body, speaking of Jesus. And so evil perverted that and turned it into this idea that you, could, you get the right words and, man, you can do enchantment. And a lot of people make the mistake of trying to pray that way. It's a big misconception. Another one is this. Don't think of prayer as a fire hose. Too many people think that prayer like hangs on a wall over there you know, behind a glass case that says, break in case of emergency. And that's the only time they ever, ever pray. They, they run, break the glass, yank the fire hose out and try to hose down whatever they're facing. And if, if that's your understanding of prayer and the engagement level of prayer, you're missing so much. And it's one of the reasons you really never do see those fires put out in your life. Why those flames continue to, to, to flame up? Because it's not just a fire hose. One of the things that fuels that idea is some of our Christian cliches. When, when we get to the place sometimes, you, you, you've probably heard this. Well, we're at that point where all we can do is pray. Sometimes that may be true, may very well be true, but why didn't you start further up the rope instead of when you were down hanging on for dear life. See, prayer's not only for moments like that. Another misconception of prayer is this. Don't think of prayer as a tug of war. Some people think if I can just bug God enough, yank on his chain hard enough, he'll finally give me what I want. And that, that, that mis, the, it completely misunderstands who 
God is. And those are just three uh, misconceptions, but I think they're very, very prominent. But what I want to spend most of our time today thinking about are what, I, what I'm going to call today the four pillars of prayer. Four pillars of prayer. Foundation, not pillows. I know for some of you, prayer becomes a pillow because you pray and you fall asleep, you know. And, and the disciples did when Jesus was praying. So, you know, it's not a sin if in your prayer life you're going before the Lord, weeping before the Lord, and sometimes you just go to sleep. Sometimes that's a gift from God, quite frankly. So, um, but, but don't get caught up in, in, in all those misconceptions. Let's, let's look at the pillars. And here's the first one that I want to give you today. God, our Father, loves for us to come to him for conversation. That's what prayer is. God, our Father, loves it when I come to him just to talk to him about any and everything that's important to me. He, God longs for that. Now, some of you say, now, Joe, how do you know that? Because God loves you. God loves you. God is crazy mad in, in, in love with you. You wouldn't exist if God didn't love you, didn't create you to love you. It's the reason you're alive. It's the primary purpose for your existence. And that's why I know he's interested in every detail of your life, everything about you. Second reason that I, I know and I'm confident in saying that God wants to talk about any and everything with you is, is this. And this is if you've trusted Jesus for salvation, then you're his child. That's what the Bible says. If you've trusted Jesus for your salvation, you, are a ch- you become a child. You go from just being known by God, created in his image, to becoming a child of God. That's a That's a transformation that takes place when you trust in Jesus. And the Bible says God becomes your father. Now, we know this. Parents who love their kids are interested in in the things that their kids are interested in. God's word says this in Psalm 103. It says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I like the translations that say revere him, which means you, you can't revere somebody if you don't spend time with them. This idea of fearing God is revering him, reverencing him, and you only do that when you get to know him. See, he's intimately interested in every detail of your life, everything about you. So when you come, if if you feel bored in your prayer life, here's what I bet you're doing. You're doing what you think you ought to do. You're trying to talk about the things you think you ought to talk about only. Now, there are some things that God says I want you to come to me in prayer about. I, I want to give you some direction. Um, but if that's all you ever go to God with in prayer is what you think you ought to be praying for, you're going to be stone bored with your prayer, your prayer life. It, it will be frustrating. It will be drudgery if that's, that's what you think it is because God is the perfect father and he longs to talk with you about what's going on in you and through you, and around you. He, 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 he just does. How many of you parents, don't raise your hand on this, because your kids might be in here. Here's the truth. We as parents did not wait to love our kids only after they could have conversation with us. We didn't wait. You know, I, I remember my, our firstborn is named Caitlin. 
and, and Caitlin, who's a mama now. Um, I loved Caitlin the moment she got here. I loved her before she got here, but I mean, I loved her when all she could, her communication primarily was spitting and pooping and burping and jerking, you know? That was her communication strategy when she got here. And I fell in love with that person. I loved her then before she could ever carry on a conversation with me. Friends, if you never talk to God, he's still going to love you because that's who he is. Even though you may never communicate with him, he, he still loves you. And I did that with, with Caitlin and our son Taylor because I, I'm their dad. I, I, I loved them before they could ever speak. God loves you before you ever can pray, before you ever get really good at it. Now, one of the things that happens as your kids grow is that you have a deepening desire to communicate with them. You want more conversation with them. You, you can't wait for them to start talking. See, I, I will gladly listen to anything that my adult children want to talk about that they're interested in. I don't have to be interested in it because I'm interested in, in them. One of the, the realities about children and learning to have conversation is, it's just like if you've ever tried to learn a, a, another language, like a second language, like maybe Spanish or French or German or or, or whatever. Prayer is a little bit like that. Learning to pray is a little bit like its own language. It's, it's a, a way of communicating with God, and you have to learn it. You have to, to learn to pray. So how do babies learn to carry on a conversation? Imitation. They, they imitate you. They imitate their, their moms and their dads, their, their siblings. They imitate them. And, and one of the best ways to learn to pray prayer language with God is praying with others. Praying with others, which is one of the reasons the, the small group component of this is so important. If we're going to all grow in prayer, being with others who are, who are talking with God, we, we learn how to do that. Because praying is a, a unique kind of, of learning and language. And when you first start learning to pray, your prayers may not make a lot of sense. And that's beautiful. My kids' first sentences did not make much sense. I had to interpret what they were really trying to communicate, okay? You parents know what I'm talking about. Our, our Heavenly Father will do that for you. You don't have to get the words perfect or the order perfect or anything like that. God is eager to listen. More eager than any parent is, is to listen to their own kids. Listen to, 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 to this um, about God listening intently. First John chapter 5, we read this. And we are sure of this, that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we really know he is listening when we talk to him and make our request, then we can be sure he will answer us. John is pointing out how God listens. He, he hears your prayers. He, he hears when you come to him, when you pour your, your life out to him. And God always hears you no matter what or how you say it, whether you say it loud or if you just think it in your mind. The Bible says God discerns the, the thoughts of the human heart he knows. And because of that, because of that intensity of his listening, we can be confident that he will answer we can just be confident that God's going to answer. You don't have to come into prayer being afraid, fearing embarrassment, fearing 
you know, that God's going to chastise you. You don't, you don't have to come fearing anything. God's not going to shame you. He's not going to do that. Here's the only way that you will begin to think of God coercing or trying to shame you when you come to him in prayer. And that is if you think of prayer more as a ceremony than a, than a conversation. If you think that prayer is about a ceremony and you got you to gotta get just right and twist that thing in there and dial in just perfectly, then what's going to happen is you're, you're going to be frustrated in your prayer life. The, the other part, if you think it's a ritual instead of a relationship, it, you're, you're going to get just messed up. It's one of the reasons so many people get bored with prayer and they think God is never listening um, is because they, they try to just talk some type of uh, ceremonial ritual kind of thing. See, it's, prayer is really all about becoming acquainted with God. And again, if you're, if you're bored in your prayer life, it's probably because you don't understand the point of it. Here's part of the point. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, and 12. Many of you know this verse. God says this to you. Please hear this for you personally. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare, your your good. Plans to give you hope in your future. He goes on to say, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. When you get captured by the reality that God has plans for you, that God of the universe wants to tell you those plans and let you in on them, then you're thinking, I want me some of that. And the Bible says it'll draw your heart to pray. So you got to know this is what God wants to do. Not only does he want you to share your heart with him, he wants to tell you great and marvelous things that you, you're not going to see on your own. So he wants you to listen. And so part of what we're going to do over our 40 days in prayer is we're going to help you think about how to talk to God and how to listen, how to go to God and just say, God, I had a bad day, how to go to God in the middle of your driving down Dorchester Road and somebody cuts you off. Friends, it's better to talk to God about it than to them. Okay? Just telling you in these days and times especially, it's better to go to God. Just talk to God about everything. This is not a ritual, and I don't do it every single time, but I regularly thank God every time my car cranks. I drive a 1999 Camry. You know why? Yeah, because it's a a miracle. I just go, oh, God, that's so awesome that it cranked again. You know, thank you. Zoom, here I go. When When you're engaging with God and you're trying to just get to know him personally, one of the things I want to I please say to you, don't, don't, try to, don't try to be somebody that you're not when you pray. Especially this happens a lot when you pray in public. Have you ever put, have you ever listened to somebody put on that King James voice? Holy potentate, we come to you now, hither thou foremost. Well, just, just for a moment, remember this. God is not English. He's not British. He, 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 he didn't exist only in 1611. I, I can just imagine when people do that, God just going, what? Just, just go to God. As you are, who you are, where you are. Just come to God and say, Jesus, it's me. 
I, I think some of the most beautiful prayers are those that are just pure. You know, we, we get taught how to pray over a meal. And then it goes from being earnest to rote. Heavenly Father, thank you for this food that we're about to receive. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that prayer is not evil. But I don't know if there's no heart or thought given to it that it's prayer. I mean, I think there are days when God would just long for us to, to say something like, Oh, Jesus that is mighty fine-looking taco right there. Oh, gee, I had me one of those two weeks ago, and my, I'm salivating already, Jesus. And, oh, thank you for taste buds that are going to receive this, and it's just going to woo-hoo-hoo all over me. Thank you, Jesus. I want to see some of y'all in the restaurants, you know, when you start going back to restaurants going, woo-hoo, thank you, Jesus. But seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of this. I believe that that is a more effective prayer. When you just go to God with what you're joyful over, and just express it in your kind of language. You know, just be real with God. I think that's just a better way to, to approach God because God hears the prayers of those who are just being true to him. You know, there's a book in the Bible, this is the book of prayers, it's the book of Psalms. And there are 150 chapters in that book. And 50 of those chapters, one-third of the whole book of Psalms, are called prayers of lament. You know what lamenting is? Well, where I'm from, where I live up between Goose Creek and Somerville and Latson, we call it whining. Lamenting is just, it's just grumbling. It's just whining sometimes. And sometimes that's what you need to do in the presence of God. It's just, it's just pour out your heart. Don't use a bunch of fluffy religious jargon. And oh my goodness. There are people who think when it comes to prayer that um, longer is stronger. And so they've just got one thing to ask God for. You know, God, my, my, my left arm hurts. God, could you, could you help me? And they will come up with 47 different paragraphs on how to ask God to, to make that left arm feel better. How many of you all know what hamburger helper is? It's just filler. It ain't meat. And so many people treat prayer like hamburger helper. Like, I just got to fill it up. And if I just keep filling it up, then, oh my goodness, God's going to fix this. Hamburger helpers never really fixed anything. Just Joe's opinion. And, and just filling in with prayer, trying to make it longer because you think it's stronger, it, that's not going to work. And Jesus taught about this in the greatest sermon ever given, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues on the street corners that they may be seen by others. A lot of people do that longer, stronger thing so people go, oh my, 
they can pray a long time. Just so people think, man, you're a good prayer. You don't, it doesn't have to be drug out. It doesn't have to be shown off because look at what Jesus says. Truly, I say to you, those people who pray that way, you've received your reward. And basically, what Jesus is saying is, what you thought you were asking me for, at some point, you quit asking me. And you started doing this show thing. You weren't praying anymore. So I hope you enjoyed your blessing there, baby. That's all you're getting. Don't, don't, don't do the hamburger helper routine in, in prayer. Don't, don't just look for filler. Be, be, be real. Be true. Look what Jesus goes on to say, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room. Shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. He will hear you and answer you. And when you pray, don't keep using empty phrases. Again, more of that, that filler stuff as Gentiles do, for they think that uh, they will be heard because of their many words. You're not gonna, God's not going to hear you because you use a lot of words. That's not why he hears you. He hears you because he loves you. Look what Jesus says. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. God does not need you to convince him. And so many people try to convince God in prayer because they have no faith in God. They have faith in their ability to pray. And that will wreck your prayer life. Your faith needs to be in, in God, asking of God. You know, that, that's what it is. Jesus, Jesus says, don't pray to show off. Don't, don't do those things. Instead, be vulnerable. Give your life over to that kind of prayer. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. Hebrews chapter 10, come that way to God. The, the qualifications are sincerity and simplicity. Just this beautiful way of coming to God, come telling God, God, I'm upset. God, I'm nervous. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm filled with joy. I'm excited. I'm glad, glad to be in relationship with you. Just whatever you're feeling, just pour that out to God. And then it says with the sure faith, it's this confidence in God, not in my ability, but sure faith, confidence in God that when I come to him that way, he's going to hear me. He's a loving father who loves me. So we come to him with confident faith that God wants to engage. Third pillar, God, our father looks to display his goodness through answering our requests, answering our, our prayers. Our, our, our Father looks to, He wants to display His goodness. He wants you to know who He really is. See, everything in this universe that exists, exists because of the generosity of God. He made it. He gave it to us. He, he's a generous God. And when you pray and you ask something in prayer and you just try to do this rote repetition, you know, I, I don't know that God hears you. It's okay to make requests, to make petitions, because that gives God the opportunity to prove to you what he's really, really like. Did you know that in the New Testament, there are over 20 times that we're commanded, Christ followers are commanded to make our request to God. We're, we're commanded to go to God with our prayers because he says he will answer because he's good. Now, here's where things get a little tricky. How many parents have you ever met that have always given their children 
every single thing they ever asked for. I'm told there's some parents out there like that. I've never met one. Thank God. Because sometimes the worst thing that I could have done for my kids was to give them exactly what they wanted when they wanted it. It would, it would have destroyed them. My grandson, if, if Emmett comes to me and says, hey, Papa, can I have a new car? Sure, Emmett, here, take off, baby. Now, Emmett's four, you know. It would kill him. He would hurt others. You, God does not give you everything you want every time you want it. See, when, when God is answering your prayer, God can say yes. God can say no. And God can say not yet. Those are three basic ways that God, God can answer your prayers. Yes, no, or not yet. Now, when you tell a five-year-old, not yet, what does he hear? No. That's what a five-year-old hears when you say, not yet. And sometimes, as we're growing in our faith, and God says, not yet, what it feels like is, no. And what I've learned as I've matured in my prayer life is what God was actually saying was not yet. Because he had something better out there. Maybe he said, not yet, not, not right now, for, for a reason that I can't, I can't possibly see. Look, look at this passage from Jeremiah 33. God says, call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I, I love the way the message paraphrases that verse. It says, marvelous and wonderful things that you could have never figured out on your own. Sometimes God, God answers with not yet because God's got a bigger perspective. He's wanting to reveal something to you that you would have never come up with on your own. So he's saying, not yet, because I need you to see something better. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? That's kind of obvious that God's the perfect Father, and he wants to give you the good things, the best things, things you haven't even imagined yet. This next verse is really going to be an anchor verse for so much of what we do over the next 40 days. Jesus' half-brother James wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit. You do not have because you, because you do not ask God. You don't ask God. You, you don't go to God with the things in your life. And that, that verse teaches me that when I don't pray, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on what God wants to do, things God's waiting to, to bring into my life. Which leads me to the fourth pillar of prayer, and it's this. And I think it's the biggest one. It's the one that I, I pray of, of the four. Your heart gets captured by this, not just your intellect, but your, very, your heart, your feelings, because this one changes the way you feel and think and experience all of life, and it's simply this. God, our Father, longs. Did you know God has a longing in his heart? God longs for intimate fellowship with you. He longs for it. God longs to be close to you. He wants it deeply. He desires it greatly. If you've never meditated on this passage from Isaiah 30, I encourage you to write it down and spend some time this week meditating on it. It says this, verse 18, Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. Did you know 
that God is waiting when you miss a day of prayer or reading your Bible or a week of prayer or a month of prayer or maybe years of prayer. God's word says that he is waiting on you. He's waiting to, to show you his grace. He, he's just waiting. He's waiting on high, it says. He, he's, he is waiting for you. He wants, he's got compassion, love, grace you don't know yet. And he's just waiting on you. That's what, that's what God is doing because you were made for that. There are some parents who have who've had the, to live with the pain of, of maybe having a child born who is not able to communicate, converse, will never grow to be able to do that because of a birth defect. There are other parents who have experienced that kind of cutting off of communication with, their, with a child because of a traumatic brain trauma. And that is very, very painful. But from my experience, walking with some parents, a greater pain is kids who are capable of communication but cut their parents off. Just don't want to have anything to do with their parents for whatever reason. Even if the parent may be at fault for some of it. It, it, it still tears at the parent's heart. Friends, I believe with my whole heart it tears at God's heart when he's waiting, just waiting to pour out so much more on you. Just, he, he, he's waiting. Listen to the word of God through Hosea. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 says this. God says, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I, I want you to know me. God, God's relational purpose for being with you is not to get you to complete a to-do list. He, he's not in it. So you will jump through religious ritualistic hoops God just wants to know you. He doesn't want your sacrifice or your offerings. He wants your love. Now, will you sacrifice for God when you fall in love with him? You better believe it. Will you offer him everything that you have? Absolutely. Because you'll know there's no better, better place to be. But he wants you to receive his love, and he wants to experience your love more than anything else. That's what God desires. There's a passage of Scripture that, again, this is one of those I've meditated on frequently, and it's still I, I, going to blow my mind when I read it to you here in a moment. This is what Jesus said one day to his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants. You know, that's, we, are, we are servants of the Most High God. We're created by him to serve him. But Jesus says to his, his followers on this day, he says, I don't call you that anymore. I don't think of you like that anymore. You don't exist that way in my, my mind anymore. You're my friends. The God who could speak everything into existence, just say it, says, I'm going to be your friend. Anybody in here ever pick last for a team? <laughs> you know? God's picking you now. He's picking you first. God, 
There's nothing like that in the realm with God in his kingdom. God looks at you and he says, I want to be friends with you. That's amazing to me. I can't get to the depths of, 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 of what that's like. You know, that, that's who God is. And if you miss that, you've missed the entire purpose for your existence. Is that God wants to be friends with you. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 25, that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Again, that word fear is reverence him. Reverence has to do with relationship. It's reserved for those who revere him. James' half-brother, Jesus, again, writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God says, draw near to me, and he will then draw near to you. That's a promise from God. And I want to say that's our big goal for the next six weeks, that we would all, that we would all get closer to God. That's, that's, that's what this 40, 40 weeks is about. Earlier when I prayed, I prayed out of something I've been just sitting in. And it was Nehemiah's prayer. And I'm just amazed at how God says, if you will return to me, my people, if you will draw near to me, I will return to you. And there's that promise of power that will be released, the, the, the magnificence, the glory of God coming upon his people as we return to him. One of the true realities, and I think this is needed right now, for all of us to experience with this is that the nearer I get to God, the more his blessings overshadow my stressings. Anybody feeling a little stressed out by life right now? A little over the top with all the extra things you gotta gotta figure out before you can even go to the grocery store? You know? The closer you get to God, the more his blessings cover those things. And those things start to, to fade away. And you begin to feel. I'm talking about you'll move from intellectual to, to, to kind of knowledge-based to feeling different because you're walking with God in intimacy. Because the closer you choose to move to him, return to him, the closer he'll move to you. And when that happens, one of the things that you'll begin to experience is a wellness in your soul, a, a greater health for facing the difficulties in this life, the pain, the sorrow, maybe sometimes even the consequences of your own bad decisions. Your soul will experience him differently. So I hope you'll seek him with your whole heart in a new, fresh way these next 40 days. That we'll do it as a people. We'll do it individually. Let's pray. Father God, we come in this moment. We come seeking you. God, we, we don't want to do that with platitudes or God big cliches we just want to do it with our hearts and it, it amazes us as that's how you want us to come just in our brokenness 
in our vulnerability, in our sorrow and sadness. You want us to just come. In our simplicity, just come. And so God, right now, I pray for myself and my friends, our River family, those both in person and online, that we will just come to you, God. We'll just bring ourselves to you, knowing that you love us and that we can, we can share with you what, what our hurts are, what our hangups, what our habits are, God. No shame, no guilt, just compassion, just love. Correction, yes, but in love. And so we come. We come, God, in these moments because all of us will say there are places where our souls don't feel well. And we need you, God. We need you to touch us so that we can experience souls that are connected to the God of all creation. Know that it is well. Even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of a nation gone crazy, we'll be able to say, it is well. We come now to worship you, God. From souls that want to be made well. It's in your name we pray. Amen.